Welcome Expeditioners. We're so happy that you decided to join me today on this treasure hunt. Today, I'm speaking with Mr. Wayne Termel. After 20 years of being a comedian, he decided to teach leaders how to talk to people in front of large groups. And he was a co-founder of the Remote Leadership Institute. We're going to find out today what he can teach us about remote leadership. Additionally, he's an author of both fiction and nonfiction books. And lastly, he's just an amazing, all-around great guy. So let's get into the expedition and find us some treasure. Thanks for joining us today, Mr. Wayne. So we're going to talk a little bit about virtual leadership, not a little bit about a lot. We're going to talk. That's probably going to be the only thing we talk about. And, and so part of what we're, our focus is on our research end is we're looking for really practical ways that new first time, uh, couple time leaderships, you know, they're brand new leaders are trying to pull out of their hat to do the most effective job in the simplest way with a virtual team in the nice virtual world that we live in. Right. Uh, back about 15 years ago, there was no such thing as a virtual team and everyone was thrust into a virtual world, uh, whether it was by choice or not. So, well, so with I would, that, I would question that statement. Okay. Uh, when you think about it, we've always had them. Genghis Khan ruled half the world and never held uh -huh. a WebEx meeting. <laughs> True story. The English Empire did very nicely under Queen Victoria and, you know, wasn't like everybody met at her place every Friday afternoon. <laughs> That's good. That's good. Thank you. Thanks for pointing that out. That's something I actually hadn't thought of. So that's awesome. One of the questions that came to mind when I was thinking about virtual teams, because I've done a little bit of virtual team where the team was all mm -hmm. virtual and I've had teams that weren't all virtual. When it comes to leadership in a in-person team versus a virtual team, how has your, your personal leadership style changed as you've migrated to a more virtual team environment? Well, I'm kind of the wrong person to ask because I've always had, from my very first big boy job, which was in 1996, I've always had a mixed team ah. of some people local and some people elsewhere, sometimes globally. Mm -hmm. uh, and so it's always kind of been part of what I've had to deal with. And... I I think what has happened is that as the technology has gotten better and more convenient, it's easier to do some of the things that you need to do. Uh, in the long distance leader, we have this list of rules and rule number one is think leadership first, location second. And my experience, not just with myself, but with my managers and with people that we've worked with is people who are intentional, good managers, period, mm -hmm. tend to struggle less with distance. There's some initial discomfort and, mm -hmm. and craziness, but eventually, you know, they figure out if I do the right things as a leader and I figure out how to navigate the remote part, I'll probably be fine. 
what happens is that leaders who are not very confident, skillful, good at what they do are really not good at it remotely. <laughs> okay. So there really isn't that much of a difference when it comes to that because it's still leading. Yeah, it's a difference of degree. Okay. Not, not a, a difference in order. And there are certainly things, um, you know, the biggest thing I think when you work remotely is that people are literally out of sight and out of mind. Mm -hmm. And so a lot of times people are feeling ignored or they're feeling like somebody else is getting all the manager's attention. And it's funny because as a manager, I'm going, well, they know my door is open. They know they can come to me. If they're not coming to me, obviously everything is fine. Well, that's a dangerous assumption. Uh, so what can, what can a leader do to kind of minimize that? It's really about creating... I'm inventing this on the fly, but I think there's two or three things that are really important. The first is there needs to be a cadence of communication. Okay. Right. That kind of exists by default with people who are in the office. That actually creates a whole other challenge. Uh, but how often are you going to talk? How long are you going to talk for? Uh, what method of communication are you going to use? Mm-hmm. All of that kind of needs to be determined and it needs to be determined on a person by person basis because everybody requires something new, right? A new employee versus somebody who's perfectly happy to be left alone. Somebody whose work has inputs and outputs to the rest of the organization versus somebody who's just doing individual contributor type work. Mm -hmm. uh, so the cadence, the, the frequency of communication is really important. And the second thing is the richness of communication. And that can vary depending on what you're doing, but we need to be very intentional about the richness of communication. And, and, and that goes to the technology and choosing the technology that we are going to use and using the right tools in the right way. Okay. Now you talked a little bit about richness of communication and I, I could, I could hear in, in some of that conversation that you were telling us about, you have to know your people individually. And then once you get to know them a little bit individually, you can better gauge that level of communication they're giving them. What, what can you talk more about that richness of communication? Well, as the it idea of, of richness versus scope is not my research. It's actually Bettina Buchel's research from around the beginning of the 2000s. And she said that all communication is basically a balance of richness and scope. Mm. Richness is, you know, there's lots of verbal and vocal and visual. You and I having a cup of coffee one-on-one -on -one in person is incredibly rich communication. We're yes. getting all the cues, we're understanding mm -hmm. each other, it's real time. So, you know, right now you're nodding, but if you were giving me the Scooby-Doo face, <laughs> right, if you were looking at all, I'd go, oh, there's a problem, and I can check in and, and ensure understanding. And that's you know, for one-on-one -on -one communication is optimal. Now, you're on the East Coast. I'm sitting over here. 
Um, so this is pretty rich. I mean, it's real time, it's webcam, we can see each other. Uh, so, you know, it's not being face to face over a cup of coffee, mm -hmm. but it ain't bad. Yeah. Um, okay. Now, not all communication needs to be rich, especially if you've got people scattered around and, you know, it's Alice's birthday. You don't need to go to each person individually and go, it's Alice's birthday. <laughs> right. That's why we have yeah. teams and Slack and email and all that good stuff. So richness is important, but it's not always necessary. And frankly, it's not always desirable. Uh, mm. An email has scope, right? A hundred people can get the same message at the same time in the same way. It's archivable, so you can go back. It kind of covers time, space, and dimension. And <laughs> we know if you've ever written an email that took 30 seconds to write and you're still apologizing three days later, <laughs> yes, it kind of yes. lacks Richness, right? There's not yeah, a lot of yeah, nuance there. You there can't a check for a understanding as there. it's happening. That's right? right. So if we think about as a leader, there's all these tools, right, that go the gamut from being face-to-face -face, or at least webcam to webcam to I'm sending out a Slack message and that'll do it. Awesome. We have all of these tools in between, mm -hmm. right? Uh, now, do we use the right tool for the right job? I'll give you the worst example ever. This is a real example. It happened to my wife. She was once fired by instant messenger. What? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. She, to me, that's like, that's, that's crazy. Most Why people that were happen? in the office. Her and a few people were working remotely and her boss sent the remote people. We are changing the way our company does business. We are ceasing to have people who don't work in the office. Uh, your last day is Friday. I'm paraphrasing, but not by much. <laughs> That's crazy. And this is how ineffective that message was. She didn't read the message. And so she kept working like through the following week <laughs> because she didn't even know she'd been fired. I'm sorry to laugh at that, but that's... Well, yeah, of course you're going to laugh you at have it because to. you're a sentient human being and you understand how <laughs> ludicrous that is. But that's the thing about leadership communication. I don't need to tell you that this guy was a raving jerk before that moment. Well, I can, right? you know, I can gather some of that in, in the context right. of the message. So the technology merely facilitates that. Right. Um, give you a much more common example. And it, I'm certainly guilty of it. I don't know any manager who isn't. It's Thursday. It's Friday afternoon. It's late. I've got to talk to Gary, but you know what he's like. And I've got one foot out the door. I'll just send him an email. That happens. It, it absolutely happens. <laughs> now, sometimes it's not a big deal, but if it's really something I need to talk to you about, that would be better having a conversation. But I take the easy way out and just send you the email because it's fast, it's convenient, it is less stressful for me. <laughs> it's all that stuff, right? Now it's a problem. Hmm in my leadership style. So what we encourage people to do is think about that balance of richness and scope 
And if you have a message or a communication that needs to take place, what is the appropriate way to do that? Mm -hmm. and, and if you do that, you realize, you know what, sometimes a text message does it. Sometimes you can just have a quick phone call. Sometimes you can get on Teams, but, you know, I don't care that you haven't showered yet. You don't have to put your camera on. This is a two-minute conversation versus a coaching conversation mm. where I want us to be able to have as rich an experience as we can have. Is that? That is. That's great. Thanks so much. Uh, that, that added a lot of insight to it. And I'm going to have to get over it. I just can't get over the whole text message, uh, the instant message firing thing. Um, that's get over stick it. with me yeah. forever. <laughs> we have. <laughs> I mean, it, it's probably not a stretch to understand that she wasn't terribly upset to lose that particular yeah, job. I, <laughs> I, can, I can gather that. <laughs> I just couldn't. I can't believe that. His wife was fired by a chat. How ridiculous and asinine is that? I have never, thankfully, been in a, a position that I had to fire someone by chat, and I was never been in a position where I was fired by a chat. I can't imagine how ridiculous that situation would be. And, and that caused me to think a lot more on richness and scope. Wayne was really getting into that conversation, and I really liked it. And, and as you know, I like examples. And so I wanted to get some good examples instead of bad ones, because I want to know what I should be doing versus what I shouldn't be doing. So with that, I, I really wanted to dig in on talking about good examples and building a high performing team. And Wayne went right on with it and helped me find those examples. Uh, boy, a couple of things, and they're not radically new. You just have to be aware of it. Uh, one thing, and, and I've already mentioned this, is that not everybody communicates in the same way and wants the same level of communication. Mm -hmm. Simple example. Um, I live in Las Vegas. My boss lives in Indianapolis. Um, we're three hours apart, right? Mm -hmm. We have known each other for a billion years, even before we were hired, we've written books together. We very seldom are in the same place at the same time. We figured it out in the eight-ish years that I've worked for him. We have been in the same town at the same time, maybe eight or nine times. <laughs> That's awesome. And yet we've written three books and we run yeah. a company and <laughs> like that. Uh, but the, the relevant point here is that because we're on different time zones and schedules, I, I am an early bird, as most people who work on the West Coast are, and I start my day easily by 7 o'clock, usually a little earlier. But I always start my day by getting on Slack, sending Kevin a message, hey, good morning, I'm here. I mean, sometimes there's a message waiting for me when I log on mm. because people's day has already begun. But I'll check my messages and then I send Kevin a note. Hey, I'm here. Good morning. You know, sorry, Purdue lost last night. What do I need to know? And four days out of five, the answer is nothing. Have a good day. Talk to you later. Or he wants to know what I'm working on and I tell him and that's it. 
right? It's a 30-second mm-hmm. chat conversation. That fifth day, though, uh, he may say, you know, I have something I need to talk to you about, and we either have the conversation or we schedule the conversation. And it's not that he couldn't just reach out to me or I couldn't just reach out to him if I have something important to say. But for me, just that little bit of real-time connection satisfies whatever neurotic thing I have in my brain. I feel connected. I feel like I know what's going on. Uh, He knows that I'm on duty and that I'm working. That gives him a sense of comfort. Which gives him a sense of comfort. (laughs) Not that he needs it. I mean, Kevin is a superior being and he trusts me and, and... (laughs) Right. Because he gets this constant drip, drip, drip of evidence. He doesn't have to worry about whether or not I'm working. We also have people on our team who work with Kevin. Who don't live in Indianapolis, who he might communicate with once a week. And that's fine for both. of They're both okay with that level Mm -hmm. of communication. When I have too much silence around me and I don't know what's going on, it makes me nervous and it makes me crazy. He works with me differently than he works with Guy Harris. Because I need that. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, if you've done an air... I'm cautious about what I'm about to say. I mean it, but I have to be careful. I am a big believer in work style assessments, whether it's DISC or 16 types or what. I don't care what you use. What you use is less important than the fact that you have some kind of conscious insight (laughs) into how you work. And that gives you a pretty good idea if you've got any degree of emotional intelligence on how other people work. Fair assessment, yeah. So if I'm talking to you and I know that you like examples and you like data and you want to hear that, right? I can't keep it at a very high level conversation. I have to make it really practical and tactical because that's what Gary needs. Talking to somebody else, talking to somebody like me, you know, I can keep it at 50,000 feet. We can have that conversation all day long. It's going to frustrate three quarters of the population. That's true, Will. But that's how I operate. Mm-hmm. Right? The more data, the crazier I get. Um, and people who work with me know that. Don't give Wayne too many numbers. Don't get lost in the weeds. <laughs> it's important. But if you're going to have a high-performing team, a couple of things. First of all, you need that diversity of thought and that diversity of opinion, which brings with it a certain degree of innate conflict. Okay. So you need to be cognizant of that. Conflict is not bad, regardless. Wait up, wait, you said conflict isn't bad, but everybody thinks it is. Because we have this vision of conflict on the far end of the spectrum as I hate you and you're an idiot. (laughs) But that's not what conflict is. Conflict is any time two human beings have a different vision of what should be happening and it's not. And so, you know, sometimes that's not much. A simple oops will 
Hanlon, sometimes we need to adjust how we work together. And sometimes we got to have it out and then eventually we'll get where we're going. Okay. Um, I mean, Patrick Lencioni's five dysfunctions of a team. Mm. I've been teaching at Mount Mercy university as part of their MBA program for five years now, and they can choose the book that they want to do. And that's good. An inordinate number of them choose five dysfunctions and they always, at the end of the term, have to discuss one of the dysfunctions. And four times out of five, it's conflict. Because that's the one that people are least comfortable with. Mm -hmm. That makes sense. Because, I mean, if you look at today's political climate and some climate at some universities around the, the country where if you have a difference of opinion, you're the enemy and we can't talk to you. How does a how does a leader try to manage that when you get that diversity of thought on a team and those diverse opinions and that diversity? I mean, that's I suppose style? certainly part of it. Although, um, you know, if we're figuring out how to solve the Johnson account, uh, my caring about who you vote for is far less important than how you tackle problems. Right? I can work yeah. with you as long as we're focused on solving this problem. Don't come at me with your political opinions because you and I will have it out. But on a day in, day out basis, that doesn't mean we can't work to address the thing that we're trying to address. Okay. So a measure of focus is required at that point. Yeah. And this gets back to, you know, differences between uh, in-person and, and remote, one of the things we have found during COVID is <laughs> I had a client come to me as they're starting to come back into the office. And I said, how's it going? And she goes, awful. These people have all gone feral. <laughs> so, sounds like some people in my office. <laughs> they're wearing inappropriate clothing choices. They have completely forgotten how to be respectful to each other. <laughs> mm -hmm. you know, it's yeah. because they've been able to live in their own little world. Um, mm -hmm. You know, and, and, and so it's created kind of some tension there. So when you are working remotely, you need to be aware of what people are doing and how they're working and all of that good stuff. And it, it can work perfectly well. You just need to be cognizant of. I mean, it's funny, especially with COVID forcing people to work more remotely than they mm -hmm. did. There's kind of this sense that uh, eventually we'll come back to our senses. But it's not like the before time was some Edenic time that everything was perfect and nobody ever had any problems with the way we worked. That's true. That's true. We had plenty of problems before COVID. You know, I mean, the office, you know, people complain about, uh, well, web meetings aren't the same as being in the room. And there's some truth to that in terms of energy and people bouncing off each other. But you know what else there isn't is I'm afraid to say anything because I have to go back to my cubicle and sit next to mm. Gary and he's going to shoot daggers at me all day if I disagree yeah. with him in this meeting. Yeah, that's or good Bob point. is big and loud, and so Mary can't get a word in edgewise. 
Yeah, the, the virtual meeting tends to get rid of some of that. It levels the playing field a little bit. Yeah, that's we've found that to be true. So that's again, good. it's not like anything is all perfect and anything is all bad. Mm -hmm. It's all about how do we do we know what we're trying to do, and then can we be intentional about doing it? Well, you know, you were you were asking, you were answering this question. And that's a very good discussion that you brought us to. And I couldn't help but wonder what caused high school Wayne to turn into Wayne today? What, what oh, drove boy. you into this line of work? <laughs> okay, get the edit button ready. <laughs> okay. Because there is a, I mean, there was a path, but it is a long, windy, uh, extremely unique one. I went to school for broadcast journalism, but never really did that uh, because straight out of high school, I started doing stand-up comedy. Uh, oh. This was in Vancouver. Eventually, I I put myself through college doing stand-up, basically. That's awesome. Uh, moved <laughs> to Toronto, moved from Toronto to L.A. So this is now early 90s. Uh, kicked around L.A. for a while. The comedy boom ended. Now I have a new wife and a new child, and I need to feed them. So, okay, let's figure out what we can do. I basically had an 18-year hole in my resume with no uh, marketable skills. Okay. Well, what is the one thing I can do? I can stand there and talk. Through a roundabout way, that led me to the corporate training business. That's how I got into corporate training. And my at the beginning, my specialty was presentation skills. I know how to stand and talk. Right? I can teach people to stand and talk. And I, I remember distinctly, this is 20-ish years ago, somebody saying to me, you know, Wayne, the stand at the room and talk stuff is fine. But I only talk to people face-to-face -face like twice a year. The rest of the time I'm on the phone or I'm on this new thing called WebEx. Mm -hmm. uh, and I started looking into WebEx because I, WebEx and Skype and all these things were happening. And I, I saw the potential of it. But I also saw that nobody was teaching people how to use these tools effectively. Mm -hmm. And so I started specializing in that. How do you run a good meeting? How do you conduct a webinar? How do you interact with a webcam? All that good stuff long before anybody else was teaching that stuff. And as I was doing that, uh, uh, through, I had a very early podcast, like very early in the day. And I met Kevin Eikenberry, who specialized in leadership training. And I, had done uh -huh. some of that through my career. Um, but we were talking and he said, you know, I'm getting all of these requests about remote teams. And I said, that's funny because I'm getting all of these requests about leadership. <laughs> and rather than invent two separate wheels, we came together and formed what then became the Remote Leadership Institute uh, which took Kevin's expertise in leadership and mine in virtual communication and smushed them together. Um, that's a really long way to go to answer your question.
No, no, that's a great way to go to answer that question. It's always, it's very interesting to me to find out how people end up where they do. Oh, yeah. Uh, because, you know, nobody goes to school and when they're asking you in school, hey, what do you want to be when you grow up? I want to be a virtual leadership expert. That, <laughs> you know, it, it's so funny. I remember distinctly uh, having this conversation with my daughter when she was a junior in high school. And she was all freaked out because they'd done some aptitude test. And as always in high school, you know, the counselor basically said, here are three things you should consider. Yeah. Right. And she didn't particularly care for any of those choices. She pretended to like one, but I knew better. And I remember we were sitting in a Denny's. And I said to her, I grabbed the salt shaker and I put the salt shaker in front of her and said, how many jobs do you think are associated with this salt shaker? It's a lot of jobs. <laughs> it's a lot of jobs. Somebody has to mine salt. Somebody has to work in the mill. Somebody has to put it in a box. Somebody has to sell that box to the grocery store. Somebody has to inspect it for sanitation and health purposes. I said, there are mm -hmm. probably about the, and that's not, that's just the salt. That's not making the salt <laughs> shaker. The shaker. <laughs> I said, there are probably a hundred jobs associated with this salt shaker. So don't tell, let anybody tell you that these are your options. And what's really important for purposes of this conversation is if you look at the highest paid careers, if you look at uh, the list of growing careers, half those jobs did not exist 20 years ago. Yeah. 20 years ago, go ahead, tell me you're going to be an app developer. <laughs> There's no such thing. There's no such thing. <laughs> no. Right? What is a digital marketing expert? There wasn't such a thing. There wasn't such a thing. It wasn't there. You know, social yeah. media, what, already, <laughs> yeah. already the sentence is over, right? Yes. Yeah, I'm gonna work full time making TikTok videos. And, yeah, and, and so it just didn't happen. And this is the thing. This is the thing. If you do good work and you're serving people and you're providing a service, somebody is going to pay you to do that. That's the nature of work in the capitalist world, right? If you keep your eyes open and you develop your skills and you learn and you grow, you will find yourself places you never thought you would go. The same is true of leadership. If you look at the basic skills, if you look at what a leader does and compares it to what a leader's always had to do, you set mm -hmm. the vision, you manage performance, you delegate, you develop people, you chastise people, you run meetings. Yep. Got to do all those things. What we do hasn't changed all that dramatically. How we do it <laughs> that does that changes changed. all the time. And here's how much it's changed. We're actually changing the name of our organization. Remote Leadership Institute as a separate thing is going away. We are folding into the larger Kevin Eikenberry group because in the last five years, remote leadership is no longer this separate animal that's so weird and people don't know what to do with it. And, and I've never done this before. Now, unless you are a first line supervisor, there's a pretty good chance you're going to have 
employees who don't work in the same place at the same time as you do. Mm -hmm. What we call remote leadership is just part of leadership, right? It's yeah. here's what I need to do. And oh, by the way, this person is located somewhere else. So, so even for the experts and, you know, calling myself that gives me a rash. But even for those of <laughs> us who, who think about this and, and do this on a regular basis, our world is constantly changing. Mm-hmm. And our job is to help the leaders and the people who want to be leaders help them adjust and think about the way they do their job differently. While you were talking, I I couldn't help but think or have a question come to my mind. We mentioned a little bit about conflict in a virtual team mm-hmm. and and how do we get leaders to think a little bit differently about virtual conflict or conflict in a virtual team? Um okay, I'm going to take a step back. The first thing that I would say and I almost said it and it's not true is it doesn't matter, right? Bob and Alice don't mm-hmm. get along. We got to get Bob and Alice on the same page. They don't have to love each other, but they got to be on the same page. So what I almost said was it's not that different. What is different, and this is a new skill that leaders need to develop, is we need to listen much better. As Sherlock Holmes said, it was what wasn't there that I had to pay attention to. Mm-hmm. So Bob and Alice don't like each other. They don't fight. They don't scream. But they don't talk to each other because they don't have to. They don't share an office space. So if Alice is at home working, she has a question. She will go to anybody on the team before she goes to Bob. Yeah. Right. Uh, there might be some kind of backbiting and gossip and that kind of stuff, but I'm not in the office. I don't hear it. True. So the challenge is that we as leaders really need to pay attention to what's happening in the gaps, what's happening in that empty space. Right. And sometimes it's obvious if there's a sudden change Mm. in Bob's behavior. Mm-hmm. Or yeah. Bob is suddenly Dallas, right? <laughs> oh, you know, that's a change. Even the thickest manager is going to go. Oh, there's <laughs> something here I should know about. <laughs> yeah. Um, the the challenge with leading remotely, I honestly think the biggest challenge, if there's a skill that we need to develop, is listening. And listening is more than just hearing. It's probing, asking questions, asking things before they become an issue. A couple of examples. The word fine. That's a double-edged sword. Well, if you're a married human, you know that the word fine does not mean fine. (laughs) It does not. It does not. (laughs) So... If I'm in the office and I go, Gary, how's that project going? And you go, fine. Well, it's probably going okay. You know, it's not perfect, but it's going okay. There's nothing I need to worry about. If you and I are on the phone and I can't see your face and you go, it's fine. I probably should follow up on that. Yeah. (laughs) Because I'm lacking contextual cues that tell me 
is it okay? Is it okay enough? Or are you telling me this so I'll go away? <laughs> right. Uh, the, the same is true. We worry about employee engagement and all these things that make mm -hmm. people crazy. How often do, during a coaching session, do we take time to say, what's not going okay? Right. If, 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 if we fix something, we don't want to know that. If, yeah, if we don't want to know something, that. what would it be? Hmm. Um, is there something you think we could be doing differently? We need to ask that stuff because we don't get the contextual cues. You know, if I'm walking through the cube farm and Alice is beating her head on the monitor, <laughs> you know, Alice is everything okay. That's a good way to tell, but you can't see that in a virtual. I movie. can't see that. And mm -hmm. silence tells me nothing. All yeah. silence does is it leaves me alone to draw my own conclusions. And if I assume that everything is fine and I don't hear any different, I'm going to continue as if everything is fine. If I'm paranoid and I don't trust you and I don't hear anything, I'm going to start micromanaging and checking in because I'm not getting the data that I need. I know, I know we've talked about a lot of things. I've covered a lot of ground, had a, several topics in there. What's something that we didn't hit on that, or something we missed today that needs to be brought out? Oh, you're asking me what that might be. Um, yeah. <laughs> I think the, the one thing that I would say is that while it, it, it's fine to say, you know, if you're a good le traditional leader, it's probably fairly easy to make the jump. You just need to adjust. Uh, I, I temper that a little bit with those who believe in traditional servant leadership. Mm. Because on a virtual team where you have time zones and you need to adjust, the manager tends to keep taking one for the team. Mm. And, you know, oh, I need to be on with so-and-so in New York at nine o'clock, but that's six o'clock my time. But then tonight I need to be on with this person. And so I'm actually working from six in the morning till eight at night. Oh. In order to make it easy for my team and in order to compensate for this. But you add that with the challenge of constantly being connected and not being able to disconnect from our devices. And we mm. do that and burnout among ma virtual managers is actually higher oh. uh, than traditional co-located managers. And so that's something that, again, with some intentionality and some guidelines and some honest discussion, you can work your way through but if you have that servant leadership mentality where you're always the one that's going to give if somebody has to give, it can go too far. Mm. And I say that in servant leadership, people get very nervous and freaked out. But I don't mean you shouldn't have that servant mindset. Mm. It's just you need to be aware of the limitations on your energy and attention and focus and need for a life. <laughs> Sounds like a, a boundaries issue. It's totally a boundaries yeah. issue, but it's not something that we've been taught. No, it's not. Cause uh, you know, I've grown up with servant leadership 
teachings and mindset and it's give, 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 but in a non-virtual world, you can go home. Yeah, you. your brain says, I reach the office and my day begins and yeah. I leave and I might answer some emails afterwards, but generally I keep the day between these guardrails. Yeah. Those guardrails don't exist. When you no, roll out don't. of bed and the first thing you do is grab this. <laughs> grab your phone and see you have 14 emails from work. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah, that's a good thing. Well, thanks. That's good advice. Um, as we wrap up, I'm going to ask you probably the hardest question I'm going to ask you today. Oh, dear. Is what is the legacy that Wayne wants to leave? Oh, Lord. Honestly, and this is true of my work, but it's also true of me. I hope I made, at the end of the day, I hope I made people's lives better and easier that's good that's really that like that's very short and you know that's a good way a good way to go i sort of had a similar feeling when it comes to that that's awesome uh, so thanks um last question for today oh you keep oh just when you think no no this up, is it this is it we're the last one promise 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 last one what project are you working on that you'd like us to know about Oh, good heavens. Uh, we have the new book, The Long Distance Team, which is coming out in February, end of February. Uh, and it's awesome. the third in the long distance work life series. So there's long distance leader, long distance mm -hmm. teammate. Now there's long distance team. And oh, that's awesome. our current focus of our work is going to be, and this has to do a lot with return to office and kind mm -hmm. of post COVID, but it's really about team culture and building the kind of team that you want to have regardless of where people are sitting or the structure of that's that awesome. I can't wait and you said that's coming out in a month or so February 27th uh, perfect I'll be looking for it well, when it comes out I'll drop a link on the page perfect so thank thanks you. so much well thank you Mr. Wayne for your time it's been such a pleasure talking with you and and so so thanks so much it's been great if there's anything we can do for you please let me know you bet have a good day. You too. Oh my goodness. Talking with Wayne was amazing today. He has a, he's a wealth of, of ideas and insight to help all leaders of all experience levels learn to do better at communicating. In fact, you get to see some of my communicating, whether it's poor or good. And so, so we're going to be able to, to take some of the information he gave us, the treasures we found in our expedition, and apply them in what we do. Number one, don't assume that no news is good news. In a virtual environment, it becomes quite habitual for us as leaders to just get in the habit of seeing people and, and saying hi. When we're in the office, it's easy to do. You can say, hi, how's it going? And if they say everything's going fine, we take it at face value because we can see what they do and how they react in their facial expressions. In a virtual environment, we don't get that opportunity. And so we need to be more careful when we ask and, and when we don't hear things from our employees in a virtual environment because no news is not always good news in the virtual realm. With that, leaders have to do two things in order to make sure they maintain good communication. Number one, leaders have to set the cadence of the communication. 
you have to determine by getting to know your people one-on-one -on -one, what their preferred cadence of information is and their cadence of communication. We need to figure out if they want to talk to us or if we want, they want us to talk to them on a weekly, daily, or monthly basis, and then cater to that to better fill their communication needs. In that way, they'll feel that you understand them and that you move forward with them. Number two, we have to also provide the best um, scope or richness of that communication. As in Wayne's example of his wife being fired, or fired over IM, we, that was a really horrible, horrible example of applying richness. We need to make sure that we measure the richness as leaders in a virtual environment to the specific situation and its requirements. If somebody needs to be terminated, don't do it over IM. Bring them in and talk to them in person. If that's not possible, video chat is the next best option. Also, Wayne talked to us about fostering ideas of diverse opinions on our teams. Too often, we try to silo ourselves with the information we receive where we receive one type of information. We, didn't, we can't do that as leaders. It's just horrible to try to do that in the first place because we become pigeonholed in what we do and we become um, victims of groupthink. We want to foster diverse opinions and ideas and even encourage a measure of conflict. Something Wayne talked about today that was very eye-opening to me was that conflict is not always bad. And once we begin to think of it that way, that conflict can just be as simple as a difference of opinions, then we can become more stable in our opinions and our ideas and also more confident in what we have and what we think and do. That confidence will bleed over into our team and give them the confidence to come with us when they have differing opinions. Through differing opinions, we can actually find much better solutions. So moving forward in that direction will help us in the best possible way. Additionally, Wayne said, in dealing in a virtual environment, we have to hear what is not said. We can't just take the answer at face value a lot of times. As in a live face-to-face -face office situation, if I want to talk to somebody and I ask them, how's everything doing, how's everything going, or how's that project coming, and they say, it's okay, then I can take those bodily cues and determine whether or not that really is okay or if I need to follow up more. In a virtual setting, we don't get that. We don't get those cues unless it's over video, which is rare. In those instances, we need to follow up. If they say it's okay, we need to find out, is it really okay? We can ask follow-up questions to make sure that what we are interpreting and hearing is actually what they're saying. A lot of times we'll find with those follow-up questions, that's not always the case. And so we need to manage that communication to make sure that we get the full breadth of information to us as the desirer of the, of the information. We need to get that from us. Lastly, Wayne warned that virtual leaders have a higher burnout rate than in-person leaders do. And it's because we tend as virtual leaders that have practiced servant leadership most of our lives or any other type of leadership methodology for that matter, we always wanna go in above and beyond. So we're not that leader that everybody has as they leave to talk about, I had this horrible boss. We don't wanna be that horrible boss. So we try to work hard and we try to do what we can for our teams to help them be high performing and better functioning. With that, we tend to burn out ourselves as leaders because in a virtual environment, it's difficult to shut off the office since it's always on our phone, tablets, and computers. We need to set boundaries that are clear and distinct so that our team members know and we know 
that we're not responding to emails unless someone's dying or it's an emergency during certain times of the day so that you and us as we as leaders can take the time we need to refresh ourselves and not get burnout throughout this process. As we continue to move forward in these manners, we'll be able to build a higher functioning team, higher performing team, and a better team where everyone on the team has a great flow of information and communication. If you have found as many treasures as I did on this expedition with Wayne, I highly, highly encourage you to come to the next expedition while we continue to hunt for greater treasures of wisdom as it pertains to leadership and coaching.